this one felt the most like me. It felt the most like the kind of music, not that it's the music that I want to make, but the music that I already have within me and I have to make this. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have I Am Lost 2. And you may know I Am Lost 2 from such groups as Half House Studios, the Hip Hop Collective, the UIUC Hideout. I Am Lost 2. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Grounded. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. i mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. I'm lost too. My first and favorite question to always ask is, mm-hmm. what came first? Was it the lyrics or was it the music? Ooh, that's a good question. I would definitely say the lyrics technically came first because it actually started off as a poem that I was writing about a very specific event that I kind of went through. I was actually planning on just using it just like as like a little diary entry. I have a diary slash journal of stuff that I kind of put myself or put out my emotions and stuff into. I feel like like everybody kind of sort of has one like that. For me, it's always been poetry and stuff. So I write all my poetry down like that. Somewhere along the line, a couple months later, I was rummaging through a couple loops and samples and trying to make a couple beats and music and stuff. And I heard one a guitar riff. It wasn't this one that you hear actually on the track. So the one that you hear on the track is actually me playing a cover of the loop that I heard because I heard the loop and I was like, man, if it, was, if it only just went this way <laughs> and I could be able to use that. So then I went ahead and did it. So I changed a couple of chords inside of it and I made the loop myself. And then I was like, you know what? I think this and this kind of sort of will work out well together so then yeah and then boom that's how the kind of the magic happened with that so yeah it was kind of sort of lyrics happened first but it didn't all click until like i actually created the background instrumental music for it and decided to put it all together it's kind of like yes maybe the lyrics came first but there was like a simultaneous creation of both this music that originally was a loop, but you've made some changes when you played it on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Like at that point it's you're you're like you're referencing it, but you're not actually playing what was played there before. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that sticks out to me in that guitar line, and also because, you know, the title of the song is grounded, the instrumental part is your guitar with some other elements in there as part of the finger picking or or however i don't mm-hmm. know exactly what you're how you're doing it but I mean, yeah yeah finger picking yeah. but like <laughs> the lowest note is this kind of nice descending into the ground kind of this floating down kind of feeling yeah well at the same time the chords that you're playing every time i hear that i keep picturing this this like something that is either slowly descending or slowly pulling you down mm. all at the same time kind of this quicksand feel or even just a floating in a feather so yeah. I, I in my mind it's this simultaneous thought but also the chords as they're playing it seems like the notes that are going in there are also following that bass line down but then mm. um just before you restart the phrase there's kind of some higher notes that flip up there so i keep picturing this this like as it floats down and then all of a sudden this kind of climbing back up just just enough to not descend all the way down so i don't know that in my mind I'm, i'm picturing that you knew that there was a sound that you wanted to create and then you combined it with these lyrics you kind of mentioned and talked about it earlier but how did you finally decide to put those two together and yeah no happen uh honestly and let me just say i love your description of imagery for that because literally that's exactly how i picture it all the time (laughs) i'm very visual when it comes to music and sounds and in part i just feel like i'm kind of sort of like always writing or like i'm a screenwriter of some sort or a director and i'm kind of just like going through and i'm just imagining this movie this scene Mm. that i'm trying to create and then it's like okay well how can i emulate that through the sounds that i am not necessarily hearing but feeling 
for some odd reason. And so I, I just love your whole entire description of it because that's literally what I think of every time. I mean, even before I was just sitting here, I closed my eyes. I just love to just sit back and really listen deeply to what it is and then be able to see exactly what it is that is being emulated through the sound. But as far as it goes for like what kind of made it all click and at what point what made me bring it all together i honestly i cannot tell you <laughs> i honestly it was huh. just a random happenstance it, and, and a lot of the time with my music that's kind of sort of how it happens it just i get these moments where i feel an urge or an impulse to just move something i just follow suit pretty much and so for this one when i was creating that backing track when i was creating that guitar loop and i was listening to it i mean i was throwing all kinds of stuff at it all types of reverb compression huh. and you know different little harmonies i could throw in there and stuff and i mean i was giving it the works because i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what i was trying to create and i felt a sudden urge of just like sadness a deep well of sadness that kind of overcame me and I honestly, I had to take a break <laughs> when I was doing it. I had to take a break. I was very, very emotional inside of that moment. And I knew I was like, I'm not going to be able to get anything done like this. So <laughs> I had to step back. I started going back through my poetry and just kind of trying to find a way to ground myself. Haha. <laughs> I was led to that poem specifically. And like when I look back at it now, I'm kind of looking at that poem and I'm like, wow, that's not at all what I was talking about uh -huh. as it is written in the song. But I see now it's so funny. I'm actually having quite an epiphany right now about it. But <laughs> okay. I never had a chance to really think about it this much. But when I went and looked at that poem and I just kind of read through it, it gave me the solace that I needed to be able to continue on with that one record that one project i was working on when i went back to it obviously a little tweaking here and there finding the right melody to be able to go along with it and solidifying that those lyrics would be able to work tell the story that i was trying to tell within that record it just kind of sort of just came together like that it was a very chaotic <laughs> process for this one and usually i'm not very overwhelmingly that out of place with everything usually most of the time i know exactly what i want to sound i know exactly what i'm going for I, I know how to lay it out i know how many layers i want harmonies and this and that this one though was just so different it was just so different and i think that's part of the reason why i love it so much because it's just so real into the fact of not only of what i'm talking about but how it makes you feel and how you could be able to visualize that feeling it's funny, like one of the questions that I'm like been holding on for just a second while you were <laughs> while you were talking is you mentioned this idea of throwing everything at it and and in the end, I feel like this is a very simple song, but very emotionally heavy. Yeah. So somehow <laughs> I'm curious, so did you throw in any extra instrumental on top of that or no not necessarily wow no, okay no. a lot of what you're hearing in there is literally just uh the guitar loop that i kind of created and vocals that are laying over it that's that's literally it i mean besides like compression reverb and pretty much all the plug-in works that you would do for tracking stuff but besides that i mean i literally didn't really add much else in there 
honestly i played around a lot with my vocals because i'm heavily influenced by john bellion he's like one of my top favorite artists lyricists songwriters he does it all so like i took inspiration for him on this track because i was like it has to be something that's very simple because it doesn't take a lot to be able to get a message across you know you strip every great song down to the bare bones you know that's what it comes down to it's just the feeling and the emotion that is being evoked by what is simply being played and so I kind of sort of took that approach with it at a certain point. And I was like, you know, I don't need to add all this extra stuff in it. Because, like, I thought about throwing drums and all this other stuff on it. And I was like, no, it doesn't need that. It, it kind of speaks very well for itself. I didn't add any other instrumentation besides that of my vocals. I played around a little bit with it. Kind of put some hidden gems in there. Hopefully some people will catch it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to reveal that, what it is. But hopefully okay. some people hear what it is in there and stuff. So, yeah. I don't know, and maybe we can get into this at some point, I don't know the intent, the original intent of the poem or the lyrics. I want to divide this song into two different sections, and it's mainly where it's you singing on top of the guitar, and then the second part is where, I want to say, you join yourself <laughs> to, to like accentuate all these other... Should I say like characters? I, I don't know. Like, and I don't mean like in a play. I mean, just maybe these different characteristics. So really my point <laughs> that I'm trying to say is in dividing it, I feel that that first part is this very lonely, very singular you that is reflecting on maybe a relationship, maybe on I don't know. I, I had a few different thoughts about on the way that you're interpreting what you wrote. And some of it I'm thinking about, you know, how things, thoughts can drag us down, you know, in the metaphor of even like being grounded, keeping yourself from actually being able to explore or be better to be something else or being grounded, being sensible. And mm. I mean, right, like with those, those, yeah, those yeah. two words mean <laughs> so such different context. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like that first half of the song is this like you alone and not being able like it takes that first grounded where it's just like you're grounded, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And then the second is more of the like you're grounded, but you're able to like you know what you want, you know where you want to go. Mm. And I think that that's part of the, there's plenty of other interpretations too, but yeah. I keep thinking about like your secondary and third and kind of the echo, I call it the echo voice, but it's the really high, like just kind of reiterating the the melody, but as it's such a high floaty, like floaty. If you were to observe your own self, that would be the voice that would be looking down on you. You mm. know what I mean? I don't know. No, um, no. I mean, I, I think that's a good way to be able to look at it and describe it. I don't think I've ever personally looked at it that way, though, or had somebody tell it to me that way. But it is a very great way to look at it because for me, I've always kind of looked at it more so as like, and like I said, this was actually based off a very specific event. I'm not necessarily all too comfortable going into exactly the details of it, but it was a great loss for me. And the loss itself changed me permanently. And so when I listen back onto it, I mean, yes, in a sense, it grounds me because when I listen to it now, it is something that I know when I feel that the world becomes too much and the weight of it begins to crush on my shoulders and stuff that I can be able to find myself put back together with this song. But 
it's funny because when I listen to it, I know exactly what it means to me as of going through that event, which was that I actually was quite literally <laughs> not necessarily um, in a state of chaos, but I was in such a state of despair and such a deep well of sadness. And I literally completely lost my mind inside of it. And so that first part is literally as you hear it describing I literally <laughs> fell to the ground and I was hearing the voice of that person that I lost and I was frozen, stuck <laughs> in permanence inside of this ground. It literally felt like the concrete had a hold of me. I literally could not move. I was petrified, scared. It was just so much. It was so much welling inside me. And then you move into the second part. Yes, it's like voices, but their voices is not of other people. It's not of me. It's, it's just so much chaos is going on. I'm screaming, but no words are coming out of my mouth. I'm shouting. I'm reaching for the sky, but my hands are locked. I am stuck, <laughs> you know, and it was, and I don't mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny for me now, but I mean, I still get moments uh, like that. You know, it was, I was literally in a state of panic and it took me a really long time to get out of that. So it's like, it's funny that that's like the visuals, like there's so many different takes on the interpretation of how the right. song can be able to go. For me, I'm always just like, huh, it, I, I don't know. I, I like that aspect of it because hmm. I don't like it for everyone to just be like, oh, so it's just about him literally being on the ground or it's it's about him finding himself grounding himself in times of trouble or i mean it could be a lot yeah. of things and i want it to be that way i want it to be over to interpretation to where people can be able to listen to it and feel it and have it mean whatever it is that they feel like they need it to mean for them you know as long as it is something that is helpful and it is going to be something that is going to be prosperous for them that's that's what i want out of it not to get all deep and heavy no, I it's, I, just, it's I, just really how i, I was like this is how i felt it's, yeah. um, <laughs> i felt like going into looking at some of the lyrics and as you were talking about the specific event that you're referring to in the lyrics i was picturing that moment when it hurts so bad that you don't know if you'll ever be able to feel something good again mm, yeah and one of the lines that really made me think about that is the i fell to the ground i felt your warmth it was holding me and one of the things that i think about in terms of our own some like sometimes we get into our own emotional ruts and i think about how the i felt your warmth is this to me it felt like Sometimes we get so comfortable with how miserable we are that there's a warmth in that. There's a mm. way that it just like, it sucks us in. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, it was holding me. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I just, th that's, that's one of those lines that I think about. I thought about a lot <laughs> as I was listening to this. And I want to actually touch on the last... I don't know what you want to call it, like not the last stanza, not the last, but the <laughs> yeah. the last grouping of of lyrics that that I find kind of fascinating. The way that it is presented, I, I feel like that left in a mist of gray, I am nothing. And there's there's kind of it feels like there's this pause, and then it's like if you ever leave. I love how the space of silence allows the mind to think that 
it's one interpretation but then mm-hmm. it's on another thing yeah. So ev- yeah every time i hear that it just kind of gives me a little bit of this this chill that i really appreciate that um, oh, thank you for so that. Yeah. I know there's not really a question there. No, no, I'm no. Throwing, <laughs> I'm, I'm just throwing out some interpretations because yeah. it feels there wasn't really a question there. But <laughs> I do have a question about the decision. Was this the original poem or did you did you cut anything or did you add anything? Oh, I cut a lot. I cut a quite okay. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the beginning portion of this. Oh, so I always talk about it like standards for a song like this, since it's just basically four groupings of lyrics and they just repeat itself i always order it inside of a fashion of stanzas because that's how it was created it was stanzas for a poem so the very first two groupings uh, at the very beginning are og original from the poem Mm -hmm. straight up but the last two i did have to go through and rework them and rephrase them the reason why I did it was mostly just for melodic purposes. I just, I wasn't able to fit all the words <laughs> into it. Mm. And uh, I, w- I was just like, okay, we have to shorten it, sweeten it up. And I also had to make sure that at a certain point, I wanted it to not be so specific as to what the song itself could possibly be about. But I wanted it to be vague enough to be able to have multiple people be able to listen to it and kind of sort of get different interpretations on it. Because this is a very interpretive piece, I feel. So at the end of the day, when I look back on that poem, I mean, the poem is like, if I was to read it out loud to you right now, we'd probably be sitting here for about two, three minutes. Because it's a very long poem. It was very long. It was a spoken word piece that I that I wrote up. I mean, I just I just kind of just laid it out in like two three pages. I cut quite a lot, <laughs> quite a lot from it to be able to create this piece. That section itself resonated the most. And yeah, so I did have to go through. Took a lot of reworking, rewriting a little bit. And like I said, I wanted that vague. And I shouldn't say vague. I wanted it to be more open. I wanted it to be much more spacious i'm very big on space and as far as it goes for musicality and stuff so i wanted to have it be open i wanted to be very spacious but i still wanted to maintain the aspect of vulnerability and emotional awareness and flow to be able to go through it one of the things that i appreciate so much about music and lyrics together one thing that you can do through composition or arrangement, however you want to call it, is that you can say the exact same lyrics you did before, but recontextualize it with music. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's one of the things that I, I love about how you did this piece, because that's why I said I divided it into these two sections, because I feel like there's this alone, vulnerable person in the beginning and then kind of reevaluating all the things that you've said before. And then there's this context of all these beautiful lines. I mean, that's sorry. I don't mean no. to be like, no, you're, you know, you're fine. <laughs> I'm trying my best not to just, I'm really bad at taking compliments and stuff. So I'm just oh. like kind of sitting here like, I don't know how to feel or to say about this, but yeah. Well, they, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah you could just say it is what it is and the parts that you put into it have a very genuine quality and i think like i i feel like and and correct me if i'm wrong i don't know some of those parts did you 
practice and write them out. I mean, not necessarily literally write them out, but have mm-hmm. them written like you're like, okay, at this part, right here, count, right. and then yeah, like I'll do this. Too. Yeah. Or did you have some improvisation that you were doing that you just kind of let the emotion carry you? Yeah. Because I feel it, it yeah. has that quality, not to say that any part of it doesn't feel polished, but mm-hmm. it has that part where it, it feels like the emotion took you on on kind of a your own melodic journey. Yeah, <laughs> no, I hate no. the way I said that. But no, honestly, no. I love how you said it because that's actually like perfect. Because that's exactly how I feel about it. That's like pretty much what did happen. <laughs> I tend to do stuff like that a lot with m- most of my music. I ad libs and just backing vocals and stuff like that. I don't necessarily plan how to do that stuff or i don't know how i'm gonna do it i just i always put it like this i just i do what feels right yeah. <laughs> you know i just do what feels right if it feels right to me i literally just throw it in there and then if it needs a little tweak or something like that just aligning it maybe or if somebody tells me if i you know trust somebody to listen to some music that i'm thinking about releasing you know have them listen to it and they'll be like yeah i probably wouldn't add that there or i probably might move that a little bit then i'll readjust it but for the most part for this one here I was in the booth crying (laughs) at home and yeah, like that, that very last belt and everything, like I was screaming that and I actually short, I remember specifically because I I was so mad at myself because I, I wasn't able to finish it. I I did the belt and I stopped and I had to (laughs) pause it. And I was like, ah, I, I can't get rid of it. So then I had to go back and let it play again. And then, like, continue on <laughs> that mm. same belt. So, like, in that case, like, yes, like, that one was, like, very much, like, okay, kind of sort of had to plan that one through. I just kind of wanted to just go through, again, just, like, layer after layer after layer after layer, because that's just all that I was hearing at the time. When I listened back to it again and again while I was making it, I was just like, something needs to go there. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to feel this. And I'm just going to let it be on the track. And however it comes out, I will make it work. I'm sure it will be fine because this track in particular, I felt like I needed to be as raw and genuine as possible with it. The belts, the falsettos and all of that stuff. Yeah, like literally all that's like literally within real time. Every Mm -hmm. time I went ahead and just pressed that record button and I just literally for the last minute and a half minute, two minutes of the song, it was literally just me just going through, just listening to it in my headphones like we are now. And I'm just literally just belting out whatever it is I felt. Mm-hmm. If I felt like screaming, I screamed. If I felt like a whisper, I whisper. If I chanted a little bit, I'll chant. And then I go back through afterwards and just kind of sort of just level it out. You know, pan here, pan there. Let's add a little more reverb and delay here to make it sound more forward, make it sound backwards, center. You know, the mixing mastering engineer in my mind kind of goes to work because he's like, ooh, we have stuff to play with now. (laughs) You know, I give myself the raw material, you know, with the emotion that's in there. And then I go into engineer mode and it's like, okay, how can I make it to where this sounds like a collaborative piece at the end, but yet still maintain to have the emotional charge that was put into it, mm-hmm. you know? What's what's your favorite part in this piece? I mean, favorite is kind of a weird thing to say when it's like a really emotionally charged, but that like something yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe that you're super proud of or part that really gets you every time when you listen to it. Ah, uh, 
right off the bat, like the first thing that automatically comes to mind, it's just the very tail end uh, riff that I did that kind of sort of is like the nail in the coffin for me. For some odd reason, I hear that line and I, I just, I, it damn near brings me to tears every time. Mm. And I don't know why, but it's just that one little line. It's just a little, like a three note step down that I do. And I hear it and it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like when you just, you tighten a bow tie on, on like a little, I'm like, a, I don't know, son, daughter, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you, you tighten a bow tie and you're just like, you know, like the, everything's complete. And then mm-hmm. you see it and you see the smile on the kid. And it's just, I feel like that's me looking back at my younger self with that part and it just i don't know i just i feel like crying every single time but i'm the most proud of that part right there specifically the rest of the song i'm like eh, it's cool <laughs> but that part there for me i'm just like oh wow um thank you huh. yeah i don't know i don't know it's a weird little tidbit yeah why did you pick this song as a song you wanted to talk about today it was the most relevant song that I had kind of sort of to date. It is a very special song for me. It was a turning of the tide song because last year I made a lot of music that not necessarily questionable, but it was very much just like I was still trying to find the sound that I wanted to make and the sound that I wanted to start putting out there for people to listen to. And this one is extremely different than everything that i did last year but this one felt the most like me it felt the most like the kind of music not that it's the music that i want to make but the music that i already have within me and i have to make this Mm. if we were somehow able to go to each person and listen to the biofrequency of each individual in the world i feel like this is the kind of sound you would get from me at the deepest depths of my soul and every fiber of my being that is the sound that you get and as sad as it can sound at first there is a beauty to that darkness and i come to accept that about myself and so yeah that's that's yeah for this this one here it in the lightest terms, it hit different. <laughs> this right. one just hits really different. So, yeah, I, of course, I would want to talk about it because I absolutely love this one. And it's a great song. It's a great record. And uh, I'm super proud of it. Are you expecting to put this within, like, a larger context of, of like, a full-length album or? Eventually. So, that's how it originally started. I wanted to do an entire album project curated around a sound that's like this but i've kind of sort of moved into a different direction i'm still going to continue to work on singles here and there and start releasing it as life just kind of sort of just got very busy for me all of a sudden so (laughs) only when you got something really important to do does life get really really busy yeah yeah like literally (laughs) so we're planning on getting that all together at some point a lot of the upcoming releases that i do have for the rest of this year a lot of it is going to be very similar to that sound it's going to kind of sort of be like a introductory period a little bit just kind of tease people into the project whenever i decide to finish it and drop it just keep recording keep getting 
things done and yeah. share even your drafts. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> you know, from somebody who who likes to see kind of the point A to point B process, there's value in even our first attempts. Like it gives people that are writing music hope. Yeah, um, like first time writers or something like that 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 don't feel like whatever they're creating is enough. Oh, and man. I feel like that's always. I don't know. I, I don't mean to get up on my soapbox about this, but I'm always like, I call it recording hesitancy. Mm-hmm. It's like, just, just get something recorded on your iPhone, whatever oh, you want to do. Dude, you just sound do like it. me, man. When I be talking to people, I'm like, dude, sometimes you just have to, you just got to take, just take that leap of faith. Just go ahead right. record it. It doesn't right. matter if it sounds good or not. Just get it out there. Just do it. I don't know. Sometimes that's just kind of sort of the push that you just need. So, I, cause I was, I was the same way <laughs> very much a lot of time. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, I am lost too. What is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? Ooh, that is <laughs> that is a loaded question. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> I feel like the most stereotypical one would be like Canopy Club or something like that, or Rose Bowl. I got a I got a bone to pick with everybody on that one. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a. I don't know. I I haven't had a bad experience, but like I don't feel like I've had the greatest experience <laughs> with a lot of the venues and gigs that I have gotten around Champaign Urbana. Honestly, okay. especially as of late. But if I do have to have one, honestly, my favorite w- when it was here was Nola's Rock Bar. Honestly, I I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought. I mean, yeah, the stage was small it was very narrow and this and that but i just thought that the the ambiance of the place was just unlike any other so i i really i really appreciated it and sound quality was honestly like really good there (laughs) i was so i was such a fan of it i was like oh my gosh oh man as a technician i was like ah this is this is kind of (laughs) great it was so great but yeah, I don't know. Well, now that's gone. So, I mean, I guess it can't be a favorite. <laughs> huh. uh, next favorite, I guess, would be like, I guess, yeah, Canopy. Uh, it hurts my heart to say it, but ugh. Canopy, Canopy Club. No offense, you guys. If In case you guys are listening to this, like, please don't fire me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nolas was like my, that'd probably be my top one for sure around here. You kind of opened up a little bit of a, 
the can of worms here and that oh yeah yeah so honestly let's instead of it being like this is what they've done wrong let's just talk about what venues could do in champaign urbana that would make it more welcoming or or whatever specifically doesn't feel right to you what could they do to make that better yeah well it is not necessarily that they done anything wrong i i will admit that up front a lot of the issues or problematic things that i have witnessed or experienced have always been more so i feel like been on my end and it's just because of simply just the kind of artist that i am and the genre and audience that i necessarily pertain to so with that being said i don't think it's necessarily anything on their part that they did anything wrong per se i'll never say that the certain things that i feel like that could be done better would just be just general professionalism as far as it goes for you know communication with artists you know about staging and timing set lists and etc you know just general communication which i feel like has kind of sort of been something that as of late has been lacking a little bit as far as it goes for just across the board whether you're on campus diy house shows inside of urbana rose bowl or you know downtown champagne you know performing over at tap poor bros maze and all these other places it's just been kind of sort of just a lack of communication as far as it goes for professionalism when it comes to relation between the venue and the artists themselves that is one thing i pride myself on is being very timely i communicate you know, whether or not I am able to do something, whether I can do something, if I can be able to aid, if I, you know, am lacking in something, if I mess up on something, you know, I am very apologetic. I am quick to be able to correct mistakes that I make. And I am also very quick to be able to make sure that I am timely and even early if I can be, you know. So that is something that I just kind of grew up on. And from other places outside of this town from other venues that i have played in you know played in a couple in chicago i played in a couple recently in st louis indianapolis over inside decatur peoria and i noticed that there is a certain standard of professionalism inside of these different venues that you go to and they're not all going to be the same you know everybody has their pros everyone has their cons but as far as it goes for that the standard once it is set it is set and you know people will hold you to that and they'll let you know it seems like there has been a carelessness that i've noticed over the past couple of years here Mm. that i've kind of sort of felt has been kind of sort of been like a slippery slope and we're kind of sliding down a little bit right and that's like my one own little tidbit on it hopefully people don't see this as as me justifying it or whatever but i i do feel like not that it should get a pass but also Honestly, after the pandemic, uh, uh, some of us just don't know how to human anymore is what I like to say, because it's just like, I don't know if it's like things have gotten out of practice or what, but there is just, I don't know, we need to get back into what that was like before. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I I even went as far as just to say, just like, I mean, I'm understanding, you know, people have their own lives. There are certain things that... You know, I may not know about that may be going on with the venue themselves. You know, it could be due to lack of staffing and stuff like that. Or, you know, they just don't have the material or the manpower to be able to do things, the funding. I mean, I don't know necessarily what's always going on behind the doors. I don't know 
what's going on or what the situation is with every single person I interact with. You know, so I mean, there's a multitude of factors that go into it. Right. You know, I can only just call it out as to how I see it and how it's interpreted from my own experience with them. I try my best not to be able to make it a dig or, you know what I'm saying, be like, oh, you need to do better. But I mean, you know, at the same time, you know, I'm going to call a spade a spade. You know, right. if I see something that's happening, you know, that I necessarily don't <laughs> like myself, I will let it be known. Now, you know, I'm not going to make you feel like a bad person or make you feel horrible about it. Because like I said, I don't know what the situation is. I'm just letting you know exactly how I felt about the whole entire experience. So, and yeah, I do feel like a part, a huge part of that could have been COVID. I mean, we're still suffering, whether people want to admit it or not, we're still suffering a lot of after effects of it. I know I am. I mean, shoot. I mean, just like physically, I wasn't this big <laughs> mm. <laughs> prior to COVID. <laughs> and so, but also like the mental toll of it took a toll on me financially. It definitely took a toll for me and my jobs that I had to start curating through in order to be able to, you know, make ends meet. You know, there are people that are literally still suffering the effects of it. So I try my best to be as empathetic as possible. You know, when it comes to these kind of situations, I really appreciate that you are calling out certain aspects. I mean, honestly, it's it's one of these things that if those could be corrected, that would make definitely make it a much better music scene. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't think of that as necessarily a negative. I just feel like that is definitely an opportunity for growth for Absolutely. some of these places. And I really look forward to when more venues decide to open up or be available to for people to perform at and and i feel like we've had that tipsy whatever you want to call it seesaw effect of you know i'm sorry when when urbana starts to do really well somehow champagne just doesn't do it as well (laughs) and then it's just like this weird teeter-totter of venue availability and venue closure oh yeah yeah. um i mean it's not easy to be a venue so i i applaud those that do try to make live music a thing that people can see oh yeah but anything they can do to just make it better for everybody would be great i guess my big question is what makes a good music scene or what makes a good music community I just think that as long as everybody can be able to come together, honestly, keyword, honestly, come together. And as a collective, we can actually support one another, no matter how different the art may be, no matter what kind of venue or lane that another artist may be in, that we could be able to see them, accept them for who they are. And we can welcome them with open arms into our music scene, into our community and have them instead of being a person that's like trying to be above them. Let's rock alongside with them, you know, because we all have this passion. We all have this love. Clearly, we're out here spending our free time. You know, we could be out doing anything else. But for some odd reason, we all want to come together. We want to get on stage and we want to make music and stuff. And, And let me tell you, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to do it. It's very time consuming. You know, you have to have a certain amount of love and passion in order to be able to do this. So, yeah, as long as, you know, everybody comes together and we can all agree on that factor, 
I think that that's that's all it really takes to be able to make a great music community. You know, we don't have to have the biggest funds, the biggest venues, the biggest craziest audiences with the biggest promoters and all this other stuff. You know, we don't have to be the big cities. You know, we can we can make the scene as big as we need it to be within our own small town and just with the collective that we have here, which is why I'm such a huge fan of collectives, honestly, because mm. when you're with people who are of like mind, you can create such great opportunities, not only for yourself, but for everyone. Yeah, the the half house studios, I I I enjoy them a lot as a as a collective because there's a sense of they're making the opportunity to record like accessible to lots of different people and it doesn't necessarily have to be just hip hop it can be oh, yeah. all sorts of all sorts of music and i've i well also they're just great folks anyway yeah. so <laughs> yeah no I, I like shout out to whip trip or david whip trip and uh yeah. josh and mouse pat alan superman and nikki v or uh <laughs> nicholas all you guys inside of half house seriously like uh, shout out to those guys those guys are really great guys like honestly i I love the guys to death, man. They're they're great. They're they're so awesome. They're funny, but they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was curious. What do you think Champagne Urbana could do better to be a better music community? Let me start by saying this. So I've stated earlier that one of the kind of the big issues that I found was just more so that I myself am an artist that I feel like it's not. Uh, I'm not a very typical kind of artist for the music scene here inside of Champaign-Urbana. And what I mean by that is that I have noticed that within the lane that I kind of sort of roam in is very much hip hop. And a lot of it is very saturated with rappers, whether you would say that they make hype music and stuff like that, or, you know, gangster rap or conscious rap or however you want to go about it. The music scene here inside of the hip hop genre of town is very saturated with rappers. I am not a rapper. <laughs> by uh, any means i will never proclaim to be a rapper i am not an mc i am not a cypher artist whatsoever i am fully on through and through a singer slash specifically r&b singer and yes we have our singers inside of champagne urbana inside of our music scene but for the most part it seems to be very alternative indie folk and country singers for the most part which i mean i dabble in a little bit but i would never proclaim to be that kind of artist you know i am a singer who also does backing tracks for performances stuff sure i could do live instrumentation if i want to but it's just not something i'm akin to doing so i am a very unique kind of artist who is kind of stuck inside of a playing field where inside of champagne urbana is very marketable to be in either one of the two to three categories either you are a live singing indie folk country artist or you are in a band or you are a rapper or a rapper in a collective of rappers you don't see very much of r&b singers around much anymore and i i take that a lot more to myself because i'm like maybe it is kind of a dying sport that i'm kind of sort of participating in a little bit so as of right now i'm kind of sort of on a crossroad where it's like uh like i wish that champagne urbana just had more accessibility or more venues for artists such as myself who actually 
love performing and who is deeply passionate about music the way that I am. And we go forth and we try to be able to get bookings and gigs for multiple venues to be able to perform in front of the masses and stuff for people who say that they genuinely love our music. But because we do not fit into those general groupings that you primarily see all the time in Champaign-Urbana, it makes it very hard for us to be marketable, bookable. And so you don't see us around that often because they are very inclusive. I, will, I won't say that they're not. They're very inclusive. They try to be able to put me in where they can and stuff like that. But understandably, when you're going from somebody who is doing this, you know, crazy, hard, rock banging song, you know, had the crowd all hyped up to uh. super deep emotional, you know, bliss, you know, of a singer. And then you're going right back to it. You know, it kind of does throw off the scheme a little bit of a showcase or to a, to an event. So. You have to play your cards right when it comes to those kind of artists. I completely understand that. It's just I do wish that there was much more of a lane or avenue for artists such as myself. Because hmm. I do know of others that are like that. And they kind of are struggling a little bit too. And one of the big issues that we've been kind of sort of coming back to all the time is like, well, do we continue to try to fight to be able to find our lane here in Champaign-Urbana or do we expand out and try to search elsewhere? It sucks because it's like, man, we have such a good scene here. We have an incredible scene here. We have people coming from out of town, coming down from Chicago, up from St. Louis, from left and right, east and west, just to come here to Champaign, to be able to perform, to collaborate, to be able to be a part of this family that we have here. But like every family, though, there is seemingly will be a scapegoat. So there's a black sheep and there's always just that one little outcast person that is just like, they're kind of weird. Like they're still part of the family, but they're kind of weird. And that's kind of sort of how we felt a little bit or me, myself, I'll talk about myself. I feel like that one weird cousin Vinny that <laughs> everyone just got this or it's just like, yeah, yeah, he's there. But yeah. <laughs> so right. that's kind of my one thing that I've been kind of noticing over the past couple of years that I wished was just a little bit better, which I feel like is it, that speaks volumes. I feel like the champagne band, because like, like I said, there it's a great scene. It's so great. I, I am so thankful to be a part of it and <laughs> as much as I have been, but I have noticed though, that through a lot of past experiences, uh, especially as a recent, that there isn't clearly a, a space for me just yet and for the type of art that I want to bring to people. We have some experimental noise artists or, oh, yeah. or others that are, you know, fringe. And I feel like they also have that hard, how do you fit in with a particular group? The, the thing that I always see with those genres is there's a tendency to, in order to be inclusive, is that what they'll do is they'll just create a special show that includes those fringe artists. Yeah. yeah. And instead of bringing it into more of a multi-genre show, it then becomes its own genre, which I don't know whether that's that in the end makes it more invite, like more possible, or it ends up just making it stand out even more as kind of an outlier. Yeah. I can see where you may not exactly fit into into the round 
hole with your square peg you know mm-hmm. i i yeah. maybe the, the hole just needs to be bigger i don't know you know so th- then everything will fit <laughs> but i hadn't thought of your music in that way if you were to just label you i mean you could if you wanted to and i'm not saying that this is right but you could say that you have maybe an alternative sound on some things but yeah. you know i but it seems like then you'd be just denying the roots of your own sound and maybe that would be you trying to squeeze more into you know what i mean like i feel like that it might make you able to fit in more into a genre or or have more of a place but then it would just not be you yeah this has been something i've kind of been dabbling in i mean hence i mean i've told you before a lot of people do know like i have affiliations with hip-hop collective i'm with half house studios the hideout you know with all those collectives you know it's always been you know artists you know coming together and we create great music together and a lot of it is very experimental you know what i mean because we all come from very different backgrounds as far as it goes for music taste but it was also within a lot of those groupings that you know, group sessionings and lock-ins where we just, which honestly, those are the best. I love those. Like artist lock-ins where we're locked in for like 24 hours into a singular place and we're just writing music all the time. Oh, those are great. But it's also within those those realms of experiences and placements that I always end up in that I always happen to notice that I'm just that one person that's kind of out on the outskirt a little bit when it comes to the things that I genuinely would want to do and would want to make. And I did find myself for a time being, I try to be a rapper. I mean, I'm on quite a few rapper tapes and stuff like that. Hence this last Half House album that we dropped. I'm on a couple of those actually rapping, you know, I'm doing all kinds of styles and stuff. But it's clear as day to be able to notice that like, you know, oh man, he's a singer. Like he's like, he's a soulful R&B singer. You can tell he loves that. And I do. I love it so much. Mm. It's a bit of a stretch for me to try to you know, insinuate myself into these different lanes and avenues of genres that I know I could be okay at, you know, but it's not where my heart is and that's not where my passion is. And it shows, I feel like if it's enough for me to be able to literally sit there and notice it, I know that the audience will notice that as well, as much as I'll try to play it off. And and I was just thinking about the, you know, one thing that, and this is, this is, regardless of genre i i feel like most audiences can spot a fake you know someone who's not being entirely genuine oh yeah yeah and and so if you weren't necessarily genuine with your style or with how you wanted to i don't know perform I, i think that that it does sound like that could be very potentially disastrous right <laughs> yeah, like yeah, very, it wouldn't yeah. fit <laughs> very um, problematic <laughs> not just for like a performance but i mean just relation between the artist and the audience i mean essentially when i mean i guess business terms wise right we're a brand you know each mm-hmm. one of us is a brand we create our social medias you know we our logos and everything and we we post our content for the audience and for content users to be able to eat up and and stuff like that right so if you are being disingenuous with your brand and your labeling and you don't have the heart behind it it ultimately will reflect and show Mm. out to your audience and they will see that and it will cause a rift and a disconnect which is something that i i dread doing Mm. (laughs) you know if i'm going to do this i want to be a hundred percent as 
honest and as genuine as I possibly can be because I feel like that is probably the one aspect about me that people do like <laughs> is what I like about myself and I appreciate it when people are the same way with me you know because I know if if it, if it just relatively even feels a little bit fake you know just just one misalignment out of hair I'm just like I, I, you know I back away from it I, I can't I don't want to I don't want I don't want anything to do with it so I want to be able to reciprocate that back so and I would hate for other artists to have to go through that kind of experience, you know, because it could be quite a bit of a turmoil. You can lose yourself inside of that, you know, because then you're playing the guessing game. It's like, ah, do I want to try to, you know, manipulate and force myself and morph myself into something that I'm not to be able to fit into this group of people who are getting more shows and more audience feedback and and just getting a lot more attention than I am or do I want to stick with the genuinity that I that I pursued you know through my art that helps me to feel good and I know that it helps make the the lesser few you know kind of sort of see even if that means that I'm not going to be able to be in with the big crowd you know get on the big stages and and this and that you know it, because it, like I said it could be hurtful to your career it could be hurtful to you as an artist and it could be hurtful to your audience you know it's a domino effect all the way around that's kind of part of the reason why I, I brought it up because it was one thing has been burning on my mind as I listen through some of these podcasts and stuff that I've always noticed. I was like, man, everybody's talking so nice. Uh, <laughs> like, I, like, let's just, let's be honest about a couple of things, about a couple of things. And that was one of the ones that, you know, I want to speak for some of the little guys out there that I know specifically who are trying to just break out into the music scene here and they find themselves struggling. And I hear them and I'm like, you're, so good and so talented and it breaks my heart to hear that you're not up on these stages with us like this no matter how many times i introduce them to you know to network with some of the event promoters to the mm -hmm. venues and stuff it's just a lot of times unfortunately there's some talents that just fall through the cracks and i i don't want them to Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, I am lost too. Yep. What is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I have quite a few, but the biggest one that comes to mind is, I don't know if you'll know the terminology, but like urban exploration or urban exing. Okay. I'm kind of very big into going out and finding like abandoned places that just like have been, not necessarily run down, but has been 
forgotten about neglected i like going to these places i explore them i like going there exploring them i love reading up on the history on some of these places just like hearing about the stories that have been held within the walls or within the air of just the area itself it's just uh i don't know it's it's so different it's almost like in some of these places it's like walking into like a dystopian novel you know where it's just like right. desolate and just empty there's no more human life and this and that and you're like wow i'm actually in that right now it's chilling it's so chilling <laughs> actually i was gonna ask you about <laughs> the spot that i saw back over there it was an abandoned barn oh yeah, yeah 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 i was like um, ah, i kind of want to i kind of want to check that out later on but we can talk about that later yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. no so uh, um, so even though it's it's called urban xing it, it it would be any any place that would have an abandoned yeah, yeah. is there a favorite place that you've found that oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. st louis cement land where do I start with this? So in St. Louis, there's the city museum, right? Like there, it's all kind of, it's like super cool, right? It's like really weird, wonky. They got like the bus hanging off the, the rooftop on the edge and everything. They got all these crazy creations of like intertwined industrial material that's just on the top. And there's a slide that goes through like five floors of it and everything. Like it's just such a cool spot. Well, the person that created that same museum was actually working on another spot called cement land and the premise behind it was that it was supposed to be like a disney world-esque with castles and bridges and all this stuff of things that were pretty much just made out of like literally construction material like huh. concrete and and like booms off of like huge construction lifts and stuff like that mm -hmm. they made towers from just scrap metal and everything anything that like all the material that they were going to use to be able to build this amusement park was completely recycled and stuff and it was a really great idea unfortunately he died in the process of it being built so after his death there was the committee and everybody you know the city came together to try to be able to see if they could be able to still be able to fund it to be able to you know finish the creation unfortunately uh just kind of fell through the cracks and was forgotten about mm -hmm. and you know they kind of sort of just put the red tape on it and just left it be they just didn't have the money to be able to demo it all so it still stands there to this day unfinished it was one of those spots that i found out through a mutual friend of somebody who is also an urban exer they recommended it to me i was like well heck yeah i gotta check it out mm -hmm. like of course so i mean it's huge it's we're talking like <laughs> we're talking at least at the very least like 150 acres worth of just oh, like space of just raw material that was constructed into bridges and castles in underground passageways with rivers and streams that flow wow. through and stuff and i mean it huh, it was it's so beautiful like literally if you ever watch like walking dead or like uh -huh. any type of like you know zombie flick where it's like oh all the humans are gone and you know you know the buildings are kind of coming down last of us actually is a really good example really yeah. that's one that i've watched a, I, oh i love last of us that's like exactly what it looks like you literally mm -hmm. see the man-made structures overtaken by earth you know oh, by yeah. nature again with this spot and it's just so beautiful to see absolutely one of my absolute all-time favorite spots that i've ever been to so is, yeah is it sad that my first thing when you said that it was going to be like an amusement park but it was named concrete land that i wanted I their slogan to be like 
Life is hard. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would have been really good, though. Right. Yeah. Concrete land. Life is hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. oh, man. And, and I mean, I, I haven't necessarily fully explored that, but there is something about finding something abandoned where you're like, one, you feel so special in a certain way, like, because you're like, when's the last time somebody went in and looked at this and this kind of space that I can observe and it's just for me at this point, you know? It is in St. Louis. I want to say it is on the east side of the river just before you get into the downtown area. So it's like a little bit northeastern of the downtown area from it all. Yeah, if you ever get the chance, just uh, you don't have to actually go in because I understand. Understandably, I will... You know, precursor, cautionary, you know, a lot of the places that you go to, you know, obviously trespassing and stuff like that. You want to be within legal limits and stuff like that. If you want to push the boundaries that far, you can't. Me personally, it depends on the spot, but I actually usually I just kind of go through city halls a lot of times and I'll ask. I'll ask city halls or I'll call the local police department and stuff and I'll, you know, let them know, you know, and and ask them like, okay, like how can I be able to gain access into these places? A lot of times they're very accommodating about it. Honestly, I've actually had some escort me a couple of times and it was like really cool. Like, yeah, it gave me a whole new outlook on on uh, law enforcement and everything because of Mm -hmm. that. Because I and we got to chat in and talking and just you know it's a great way to network and just make new friends and have new experiences so yeah like i would i highly encourage it to anybody you know so yeah that would be one thing i would be a little concerned about especially if if it's uh kind of an abandoned property one thing that we sometimes take for granted in terms of uh, construction is that the ground below us is secure Mm -hmm. and if you're walking into a, a, a much older house you don't know if those support structures are still oh, yeah. holding. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and even if you fall 10 feet, that's still, you could still really <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. mess yourself up. Actually, funny um, enough, I've, I've, that's actually happened to me <laughs> before. And so, yeah, that was, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's very true. Seriously. Yeah. It's a very serious. Yeah. You have to be very careful when it comes to stuff like that, especially if you absolutely have no clue or any idea about construction and what you're walking into, you know what I mean? Especially with sites like that. So, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I guess as a cautionary tale, I would say do, do your due Due diligence diligence, and check, (laughs) make sure. And you know what? Standing off to the side where you know it's safe and taking pictures or using binoculars or whatever i'm just as as a as a disclaimer for this podcast i'm not encouraging anyone to trespass but oh please also (laughs) um there are interesting opportunities especially like as you said is to approach city hall you Mm -hmm. might even have somebody that's like oh i know about that place and Mm -hmm. be able to tell you all about it so bonus you get even more information than you would have just by yourself so that is i i love that i love especially yeah what is what is so beautiful about how nature or even just natural materials or even unnatural materials degrade and like there's a there's this odd beauty in it yeah and and i i I agree that something I find really fascinating is just the degradation of materials and seeing either 
nature take its course and like reclaim something yeah i've always kind of sort of been like obsessed with that that aspect but i guess it another way that i kind of look at it is also just like the natural regression back to the median or you know it's a mathematical term where you know eventually no matter how far you know of an outlier you may go on a spectrum whether you are far into the positives or far into the negatives at some point we always have to regress back to the mean Mm -hmm. or back to the middle and so i i think that that factor is kind of true with life itself especially we see it all the time within nature you know no matter how bad things may get inside of a prairie field you know you can be able to burn that sucker a whole bunch of times eventually that they do that as a restoration act mm. to be able to nurture the soil so that you could have new growth come in and so like <laughs> and you see storms come and go and bypass and destroy all these things trees are knocked down branches and this and that but then out of all of that you see so much beauty and growth come back from it from the destruction and just i don't know that aspect about it always kind of just rummages through my head whenever i'm inside of these places it's always like a Mm -hmm. gentle kind reminder to just know that you know throughout it all even if it's if it's been abandoned and lost and been forgotten about that doesn't make it any less beautiful and that doesn't make it any more damage you know it's just new growth new life that is being sprung about through it all and I'm always reminded of that every time I go to any of these places like that. I am lost to thank you for being on the show and coming all the way out here and chatting with me about your song Grounded, the Champaign-Urbana music scene, and your favorite non-musical thing, which I feel like all of these items we could talk forever and ever, and I've (laughs) really enjoyed our conversation. So, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me come out, man. Seriously, I... I'm so appreciative and grateful just to be able to have this opportunity. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is I Am Lost 2 reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> studio. South Beaker on the air.